Welcome to the Draft Nut Podcast. My name is Jared Feinberg. Alongside me is Devin Jackson, and we are your hosts for today's podcast. Devin, good morning. Hope you're having a good one. Um, you doing all right, my guy? Yeah, man, doing pretty good, doing pretty good. Um, you know, just continuing, you know, tape study, continuing, you know, getting ready for the college football season. You know, we got a slew, slew of games this weekend, starting uh, with tonight. You know, we're recording this on Thursday. Um, so uh, by the time this comes out, uh, well, the game already happened. Um, but excited, man. Uh, like I said, we continue to get closer and closer to football and, you know, as draft analysts having film to watch, you know, have having players to watch, even though it's not the marquee players that, uh, you know, you know, not the Trevor Lawrence's yet and uh, players like that. But uh, we're getting we're getting some pretty good talent this weekend. Um, so excited about that, excited to break that down, um, you know, and, and just, you know, having film to go off of and people over analyzing the film and, and making, you know, bold predictions and, uh, bold takes and whatnot. That's always the best part. Um, but excited to, to get this process started and officially get the 2020 season started, uh, even though it didn't happen exactly the way we expected to or wanted it to, uh, it's nice that we, we have football to watch this weekend. Man, and, you know, I'm excited to see some college football games played this weekend and even tonight, Thursday, um, with Central Arkansas and UAB playing. Um, so it, it's it's going to be really fun to see actual games going on instead of going off months of just re-watching games and watching games for draft prospects and all. So it's going to be really fun to just see some college football action for once, like legitimate, real, like meaningful games. You know, um, I think we all, it, we kind of all deserve to have that because it, it's been a really tough year for all of us. Um, with the COVID-19 pandemic, um, and all these protests and all. So it, it's, it's been, it's been a tough year and we're excited to see some college football for once. Um, Devin, we got some draft prospects to break down. Um, I know you, um, are working on or, um, just finished working on a Shane Bichelle, um, article for Blue Chip Scouting. Um, tell me about, uh, Shane Bichelle, what he brings to the table and also what other, um, prospects you end up watching over the last week or so. Yeah, so uh Shane Bouchelle, um, you know, a lot of people know him from his Texas days and, you know, him playing for Texas. Um and I think most notably, you know, he led Texas to an upset win over Notre Dame in his freshman season. Um and he had a he had a pretty stout freshman year, uh twenty one touchdowns, eleven interceptions, um and and was really looking like the future of the Longhorns. Then the next year he battled some injuries and was battling Sam Ellinger, uh and he eventually lost that battle. Uh, then the next season he redshirted and they transferred to SMU. Uh, you know, first thing that you know is when you watch, uh, Shane Bouchel, uh, his arm, you know, he can, he can really throw the deep ball. Um, that's something he excelled at last year, uh, attacking defenses vertically. Um, that was something that, you know, he, he continued to, um, showcase throughout the season. Uh, he struggled a little bit at the start of the season and I can understand why he really didn't have a full spring. Um, to work with SMU and get that chemistry down and everything like that. So you really had, only had the summer and the first couple of weeks of fall camp, um, to, to really solidify that. So you could tell that he was, um, 
still trying to work through some things, trying to learn the offense uh, towards the beginning of his tape. Um, and, you know, some other things I noticed that weren't necessarily great. Uh, you know, he is athletic. He is a, uh, a bit mobile. He can, he can maneuver the pocket. Uh, but he struggled with, uh, you know, getting blitzed and dealing with pressure is something that, uh, he just could not handle last year that well. So teams will blitz him. And, um, you know, if there's a player unblocked, uh, he's not making, he's not that athletic enough to make the miss and, uh, continue to negotiate the, um, the pocket. And, you know, he would force throws and um, just kind of throw the ball up in the air, you know, if he was getting pressured. And then another thing I know is that he would stare down his receivers. Uh, he didn't use eye manipulation that well. Um, he, he didn't move the safeties with his eyes too well at the beginning of the season and uh, really in towards the middle of the season uh, and against TCU. Uh, he struggled with that quite a bit. Um, our Darius Washington, uh, who you're going to be talking about in just a bit, um, you know, he was able to uh, get interception off him just based off reading his eyes. Um, so that was something that he kind of struggled with, uh, which, you know, kind of limited, you know, his ceiling. I think um, he, he's just not, you know, showcasing at a high level, uh, looking off defenders and, um, you know, use eye manipulation and, um you know, moving safeties and whatnot. So that was something he struggled with. Um, but there were some flashes of that. Uh, he made some really nice NFL throws. There's one throw he made. Um, I believe it's it was against Memphis where uh, he threw a seam route and it was like in between three defenders. He threw it like right on a line, uh, which was really nice from Shane Bouchel. Um And, you know, I think with his athleticism, he can work outside of the pocket a little bit better. I think that uh, – He's shown flashes of being able to throw on the run um, and extending plays with his legs. And I think at the beginning of the season, he still wasn't comfortable with the offensive line, with the offense just yet. So he would struggle, um, you know, using his legs and, and keeping his eyes downfield. He would take off and run. I think that's something he could do a little bit better this year. Um, and then continue the eye manipulation. He He showed flashes of it toward the end of the season. Uh, you know, when that first option wasn't there, you could see him looking down through his other options, progressions and uh, starting to use eye manipulation and things like that. So I expect him to uh, if he can improve upon those things, I think he can be more than just a uh, a backup, you know, a career backup. A lot of people haven't projected as that um, a, a late day two, early day three pick. I think he can become a starter if he improve improves upon those things, being able to deal with pressure. Uh, and, and continuing to use eye manipulation and uh, going through his progressions. I think that's something he's going to improve upon this year. Obviously, he has Reggie Rob Robertson coming back, um, which is going to help him tremendously on, on the offensive side of things with losing James Prochet. Uh, they got their tight end, Granderson, as well. Um, so I, I expect him to have another big year statistically. I think that he's going to continue to to play well and, and put out good numbers because of the air race system Sonny Dykes runs. Um, but I, I definitely want to see a little bit more improvement with them on that end. Uh, let me ask you about uh, Rochelle because, of course, I haven't really gotten a chance to look at his tape yet. I've only watched, um, honestly, the top three quarterbacks in this draft class, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. Mm. Um, is Rochelle the type of guy that you could see potentially – coming out of nowhere and breaking out into star status in terms of being that legit QB4 
um, in this draft class behind the likes of Lawrence, Lance, and Field? Uh, I, I think he could, uh, potentially. I, I, that's, I think that's something that, uh, we're just going to have to see. Uh, like I said, the only concerns I have with that though is that, you know, just how he dealt with pressure last year. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be a quick fix. Um, and, and just staring down receivers. I think that's something that you have to begin to, to show, I guess, earlier in the season. But I, I think he has a potential. Um, you know, he, he's definitely one of those quarterbacks that I think could be QB4, you know, with a, a really solid season and really taking the next step on those things that he's, uh, still developing in, in, in his areas of development. I think that's, uh, a, a key thing. Uh, for his, you know, his overall development, being able to, you know, go through his progressions consistently, um, not giving up on plays when the first option isn't there or just taking off and running. Uh, I think there's potential there that he can uh, be the QB4, um, especially with no Pac-12, no Big Ten, because I know a lot of people were talking about possibly David Mills, uh, KJ Costello, Tanner Morgan, um, you know, names like that a lot of people were expecting to be QB4. Um, but with their seasons kind of in the, uh, you know, up in the air at this point, uh, Big Ten, they're still trying to decide what they're going to do, but we might have a season from the Big Ten. So, you know, that, that could change, obviously. But, uh, for Bouchelle, uh, like I said, he, he, he looks like he's trending in the right step. I know they had a rough couple last games. Uh, you know, they, they really got destroyed in, I guess, FAU. Um, you know, the Memphis game, they, they were right in it to the very end. Um, you know, had an inexplicable loss to Navy, uh, but the Navy is pretty good last year as well. So I think, um, you know, Bouchelle, he has the chance to be QB4. Um, there's just some things he needs to work on, like every other quarterback. Um, but the tools, I think, are there. You know, we, he, you know, out of really most of the quarterbacks, he probably has one of the best deep balls, uh, in this class, um, just in his ability to, you know, lead his, uh, receivers in stride and whatnot. Uh, so just some, some minor things he needs to clean up and, uh, show some, some growth and development. But I think overall he could be someone that, uh, could have, have his name called, you know, third, fourth round in the NFL draft in 2021. That's interesting to hear. Um, you know, like I saw your thread the other, um, or yesterday or the other day of Shane Bichelle and I was like, oh, this is a guy that, you know, looks really interesting. You know, once I finish up some of my uh, tape studies for the summer, like that's the guy I'll probably end up watching um, just to get a good look at um, before the start of the season. Um, so to break down some of the prospects I've watched over the last few days, um, the TCU safeties, um, Trayvon Morig and Ardarius Washington. Those are some dudes, bro. Those and I've. I've been preaching to you like off air and even on Twitter, like just how good these guys are. Um, start off with uh, Trayvon Morig. Um, he's essentially your true deep safety. And I, I talked about this a little bit in my um, article for Blue Chip Scouting, my football thoughts. Um, and I mentioned that Morig, he, he was essentially that true deep single high safety who loves to roam the back end of that secondary with his great range, his size, length, and ball skills. Um, I don't think he's really that reliable in run support. I 
and and I'll explain that a little bit here in just a minute, but Murray can still provide good value for what he can do. Um, Murray's issues in run support um, stem from inconsistent tackling form and not being able to come to balance, drive his hips, and put the ball carriers in the ground. Um, He tends to ankle tackle guys or try to grab them by the legs, and some guys are just going to slip by right by him. Um, and so that's, that's the biggest concern for me with Moerig, but in terms of being able to, um, cover the back end, playing east to west, um, going from numbers to numbers, it's, um, it's really impressive what he can do on tape. Um, and I, I expect him to improve in run support and also there's a problem with some eye discipline, and I think the same thing can go with Ardarius Washington. He, as well, um, struggles with eye discipline. Um, speaking of Ardarius Washington, on the other hand, he's kind of the same type of player Moerig is, yet he's smaller, he's more versatile, and he's more physical. And that's, I think, what a lot of people like about Washington is his physicality when in almost everything. Um, attacking the football in the air at the catch point, um, his tackling form and, and run support. He's just so physical and so he's very willing to like put his head into the trash and just go after everybody. Um, when he's in and out of breaks, um, he's really fluid and has some, some really nice change of direction to smoothly, smoothly transition into them. Um, like Moerig, Washington has incredible ball skills and quickness. Both Washington and Moerig have great football IQ in terms of being able to diagnose and attack different types of route concepts. But both of them get in trouble, like I said, with eye discipline and be a- being able to differentiate from certain plays like play fakes, play action. It, it takes them I would say maybe split second, maybe a second late to really process the plays and that gets them in trouble the most. And so I think for both of them, eye discipline and for Morig, run support, those are my two biggest issues with both of them. Um, but like I said, Ardarius Washington, very physical, very passionate when he's on the field. I think his size will be a concern at the next level. Um, NFL teams probably won't know what to do with him because of his size at 5'8", 179. But I think he can be someone who can definitely play on the back end as a free safety. But I don't know if he's – I haven't really seen him play numbers to numbers, um, but he's really good in between the hashes um, and also playing downhill. So when when these two are healthy, when these two stay healthy, um, they should be considered some of the best players at their position for the 2021 NFL draft and possibly the entire country. Um, so I'm excited to see what these two can do and, and improve throughout the season. And hopefully um, they improve their stock a little bit. Morig improves and runs support in Washington. He um, and both of them fix their eye, um, fix themselves in terms of eye discipline and being able to differ, differentiate um, between um, play fakes, play action, what have you. So those are some those are some of my favorite players for this upcoming draft class. 
Another guy I ended up watching last night was Pittsburgh safety Paris Ford. Now, before I started watching Ford, like I looked up his name on Twitter and just like went through all the opinions everyone had on him. Um, I saw one tweet where like someone said he was barely draftable. He looked kind of lethargic and kind of, yeah, you're giving me that look too. I, I got the same look too. I'll tell you who it is after the podcast, but it, I did not agree with the take at all. This dude, he fits the word physical. Like everything about him is he plays the game physically. I was really surprised by his athleticism from the opinions I've heard. And he's got really good athletic ability. Um, he's got a quick trigger coming downhill against run. And if you watch that Virginia Tech game, Pittsburgh against Virginia Tech, he was knocking heads off left and right. Like he he's almost a surefire fire tackler who can just beat the loving crap out of you at the point of contact. Like I was um I I think I did watch that Virginia Tech Pittsburgh game if I remember correctly, like when the game was happening. And like just hearing the hits Ford was putting on him, like you could hear the pop and the pats. They were loud, dude. Very, very loud. He hits hard. Um that's something I really like about him. Um tackling technique is really nice. He's fast and he's really fluid. Um he's he played close to the line of scrimmage a good amount, but did did play a bit as a single high defender. I think he likes playing more downhill than he does east to west as a back end free safety rangy type of guy. He does have that potential to be, you know, like an all round really good safe who can downhill against run who can make plays on the back end um and he's shown pursuit angles and has flashed really good range on the back end i think he um needs more reps in deeper zones um because he doesn't seem comfortable playing like with all that free space around him so that's something i think should improve this year um, assuming he will play, um, because I mean, honestly, for any college football athlete, um, like there's no guarantee they're going to play this year. If you know things could change, Paris Ford could opt out because of COVID nineteen concerns. We just don't know. But anyway, like I think he could get better from a processing standpoint, and like I said, being more comfortable on the back end as a single high safety, um, and being able to play with all the space around him. Um, and also he can get stuck a little bit and drift and drift away from zones, but overall he is a very good safety and he may end up being in my top 50 one, once everything is said and done. Um, and per, per, Paris Ford really came away as a very good football player for me. Um, and someone who I think could really boost his draft stock quite a bit and end up becoming the best safety in this entire draft class. He has that potential, um, we'll just have to see if that potential comes to fruition. Um, so a couple other guys I plan on watching, um, or I'm currently in the middle of watching, um, over today and over the next few days are Hamza Nazir Ladin from Florida State, Caden Stearns from Texas, and, uh, Syracuse's Andre Sisco, who has incredible ball production. Haven't, from the clips I've seen, he's 
he he's looked impressive, but from other opinions I've seen of him, he's inconsistent in some ways. Um, Evan, did you watch Andre Cisco? I believe you. I think you and I were talking the other day. And I think you did say you watched a little bit of Cisco, but wasn't quite clear. Yeah, so I, I watched like a game or two. Um, I think you know his, his ball production is definitely there. Um, just just some tackling issues, some angles uh, that that he really didn't uh, you know take too well. Uh, but like I said, I watched some limited film. I, I'm gonna do a, a deeper dive into uh, ACC prospects probably uh, towards the end of next week. Um, just because I was uh, working like on some SEC prospects and whatnot. Um, this past week before I took a look at Shane Bouchel. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, just from what I saw, like I said, the ball production there, you know, as it's, um, you know, he's a ball hawk, but you know, tackling issues, uh, you know, some, some minor things, but, um, I don't know, man. Uh, I would say definitely take a look at at Cisco, uh, you know, yourself and, and, and see just, you know, what he is and uh, what he could be. Uh, there's a lot of varying opinions about him, you know, as uh, for a lot of these, uh, these players. But, uh, to go back to, you know, the TCU safeties, um, I've seen them, you know, without even trying to see them on film, you know, like, like I said, with right. Shane Bouchelle, uh, <laughs> like Darius Washington. They were popping up on, on tape when I was watching Jeff, um, Gladney last season or this past draft process for, um, the 2020 draft. I'm like, who are these dudes on back end? These guys are incredible. And there were times where I was looking at the wrong guy. Like these, they were good football players. And it just never really occurred to me that the, that Moerig and Washington were the dudes I was actually just watching instead of, um, Gladney. Now that didn't really affect how I, um, viewed, um, Gladney. He was still one of my favorite corners in the, in the entire draft. I believe he was my, um, second ranked corner behind, um, Jeff Okuda. So, you know, just looking overall at the safety class from what I've heard of some of these safeties, it, it really does look like a really rock solid group of safeties for the 2021 draft. Um, and definitely all these guys could improve in plenty of areas. But the potential is there for this class to be uh, very good. And, you know, if they improve their game tape, they improve in areas they need improvement in um, throughout the season. This is going to be a good year for teams that need a young, talented safety on the back end of their defense. So I'm excited to watch the rest of this safety class. Um, I know you're um, still in the middle of watching film for summer evaluations. And uh, I know you've watched um, some more of the safety safety guys than I have. So um, again, really excited for watching the rest of the safety class. And then hopefully I can get to some more of the linebackers, um, interior defensive linemen, some of the pass rushers. Devin, um, we didn't get the chance to talk about this the other day with Jamar Chase opting out, but Memphis running back Kenneth Gainwell, who we're very high on, um, is another big-time offensive playmaker who decided to opt out of the 2020, NFL, 2020 college football season and prepare for the 2021 draft. Um, Gainwell uh, cited concerns over COVID-19 as well as major losses in his family due to the pandemic that factored into his decision to opt out. Um, the Memphis running back rushed for over 1,400 yards and another 600 yards in the air. Um 
and totaled 16 total touchdowns on 282 touches, which is very impressive. Impressive, Very productive running back. Um, shows good value on passing downs. Devin, what are your thoughts on Gamewell's decision, and what is what is his projection at the next level? Yeah, um, for him personally, I love it just from the fact that, you know, running backs already have, you know, a time clock. You know, as soon as they become, you know, at that that level where they can be draftable and seen as one of the best running backs uh, in college football and and potential draft prospects. So your time is already ticking. You know, every little nagging injury can hurt you along the way um, and can hurt your draft stock even more. Uh, So I think that, you know, he's already proven he's a top five running back in this class. Uh, Some people may agree. Some people may disagree. Um, And where he's exactly ranked in that top five, you know, it's really up to the person, up to what they think. I have him currently as RB3 right now behind um, Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. Uh, But a lot lot of people have him as RB1, RB2. Um, So I can't argue with, um, you know, where people have him at right now. I think that, you know, he's. He's good, man. You know, his ability to make people miss in the open field, uh, his contact balance, his uh, acceleration through the hole. Uh, he displayed a little bit of everything last season, uh, the ability to catch out of the backfield. So I think that he will project very well at the next level. Um, I see him right now probably uh, mid to late second round, uh, just based on how running backs are valued in the NFL and the NFL draft. We're not seeing running backs going in the first round uh, that often anymore. Um, and I don't think they should be, honestly, just based on what, where the NFL's move into, um, and kind of how they value running backs at this very moment in time. Um, so I, I've seen people mock them in the first round. I've seen people mock running backs in the first round, and I don't necessarily agree. I don't think teams are taking that chance really anymore. Um, but I do think he, he's first round talent, uh, just based on how they value the position right now. I think that, He'll go sometime in the second, third round. I think he'll be like that Dobbins, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor type of pick, um, and, and kind of in that kind of value between, you know, like the 40 and like 59, 60 range. I think that's exactly where, uh, I could see him going, uh, in the 2021 draft. I expect him to test well. I think he'll, he'll test well and be all ready to go. Um, we won't see him in any of the all-star games, like, you know, the East West Shrine game or the senior bowl. But I think that, uh, he just in this one season alone production, I think he's proven that he's an NFL back. Um, and I, I expect the team to fully take him, uh, you know, day two in, um, in, in April or whenever the draft is. Right. Um, and you know, when I was watching Amos tape or his tape, I fell in love immediately. Like, this is, like, here's how I view running backs. I think if you're, if you have a good, if your frame is good, you're physical, and you provide good vision, good, um, good contact balance, uh, good, really nice quickness, burst, um, open field speed, and also you provide value on passing downs, like in pass protection. Um, being able to be versatile in terms of um, motioning out um, out of the backfield into the slot or onto the boundary, being involved in the screen game, being involved on um, different types of route concepts. If you have that type of versatility, which Gainwell does, in my opinion, he he's a first round talent. But again, he's not 
he probably won't go in the second. He probably won't go in the first round because the NFL doesn't value running backs that highly anymore. But in my opinion, if you're, you have great value on passing down and you're overall a really good running back, I think you should be a, you, you're going to get a first round grade from me no matter what. I like this is game Mo is easily one of my favorite prospects in this draft. He's my RB one. Um, and as you said, he's someone that can, um, he does in terms of draft value, he doesn't project well, but in terms of his value for the NFL and how he can provide value on passing down, passing downs, he projects well. Um, and as I, as I've said before, passing down ability, very good. Um, he's very underrated as a wide receiver. Like, I don't think people get like, We've seen him play in the slide and on the boundary against um, bigger corners, and he showcased really good ball skills and body control um, through the catch point. And he's also shown shown some really good route running ability. Um, And like you said, um, really good vision, good contact balance, um, really quick in the open field. Um, He's got really good bursts as well. I expect him to have um, some good numbers in terms of um, his 10-yard split, like, he, he can really turn on the Jets when he wants to. Um, one thing that I am concerned about with Gainwell is his size. He's 5'11", 191. His frame is, it, it's small. It is. But, um, of course, he can fill out that frame over time. I mean, he's got a full season and a, basically a full off season to just get his frame built up. And if his frame is in the 200-plus range, I think he's going to be fine. But um, I think his frame was a big flaw in terms of his ability and pass protection. Um, and that was kind of a weakness for him. And I felt like that was probably one of his only weaknesses for him, is his frame and his ability and pass protection. But he get he adds more to that frame and gets better in pass protection. I think he's going to be fine at the next level. Um, and this is someone that I thought, like, if he were to opt out, which he which he has, like, he didn't really have anything else to prove. But at the same time, he could have proved a little bit more for, like, like I said, pass protection, adding more to his frame. Um, and he was set for a monster year with Antonio Gibson gone um, and out of the picture. So it sucks not not being able to see Gainwell on the field, and we won't see him on the field again until 2021 when he's on a NFL football team. So, um, but I I get the decision. The amount of tragedy he and his family has suffered from COVID-19 has been just that that's awful. People, please wear a mask. This this virus is no joke. It is not. I have friends who whose families have been affected hard by this. So it's no joke. Please wear a mask so then we can get back to some sort of normalcy. But um, anyway, um, easy to understand why Gainwell opted out. And um, I wish him nothing but the best in his preparation for the NFL draft. And I'm praying for health and safety of, uh, for his family. Devin, now it's time to talk about some college football games this weekend. Um, we got some of the following games, of course, tonight. Um, Central Arkansas at UAB. Um, and then Saturday, we got Kentucky at Marshall, SMU at Texas State. Um, 
Louisiana Monroe at Troy, um, Houston Baptist at North Texas, Arkansas State at Memphis. Um, and this Saturday was actually supposed to be the first game we'd see Kenneth Gainwell on the field, and that's why I was kind of excited to watch that game so then we could see what type of talent or what he has improved as a prospect. But, of course, now we're not going to be able to see that. Um, and then you got Stephen F. Austin at UTEP uh, later that night. And then Monday is BYU at Navy. Now, when we were talking about these games last week, like these games looked really intriguing, like and especially the BYU-Navy game. But um, they lost Matt Bushman um, for the year due to injury. I know they had a couple, they had another guy opt out, um, but, but overall, that like that's the first really true big college football game of the season in week zero. Like week zero usually has that big college has one big time college football game. BYU at Navy um, is that game uh, to watch. It's at 8 p.m. on ESPN. Um, so last week we had Central Arkansas. Um, playing against Austin Pay. Um, that was a really fun game to watch. First play of the game from last week in that game, a touchdown. That's the way you kick off a season. And I was I was really excited, you know, you get the season kicked off with a touchdown. I think you're gonna be fine for the rest of the year. So um, you know, Central Arkansas coming off a win against Austin Pay. Um they're playing at UAB, who will be playing their first game of the season. So, what do you think about tonight's matchup? Um, tonight, Thursday, September 3rd. And, of course, people will be hearing this Thursday when one of either Central Arkansas or UAB has won. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on today's game? Um, who do you think will win? And um, what is the one matchup over this weekend you're excited about? Yeah, so, uh, you know, starting with this, this first game, uh, UAB in, uh, Central Arkansas. Um, you know, Central Arkansas has had a short week. You know, they just played on Saturday. Um, and now they get to play again Thursday. So I expect some tired, heavy legs from Central Arkansas to kind of begin the game, um, which will probably play in UAB's favor. I actually do have UAB win this game. I think that you know, they've really done a really nice job since they gotten football back. Um, you know, in 2016, they've done a really nice job, you know, out of conference, you know, against, you know, uh, you would consider lesser opponents. I think it'll still be a good game nonetheless, but I think that, um, UAB will prevail in this one. Um, uh, watching Austin Watkins and, um, you know, the, the corner from Central Arkansas, watching that matchup, I think that'll be a really good matchup to watch. Um, in, in terms of one-on-one matchups, Spencer Brown, the running back from UAB, I think that's, um, someone to watch as well, someone that could be a, a late day pick, um, in an NFL draft. Um, but, you know, looking forward to this weekend. Um, I think the marquee matchup is the BYU Navy game. Uh, I think the other games, they're not going to be as close. Um, you know, like, I don't, I'm, I'm not expecting, you know, SMU to be in a dogfight with Texas State. I think SMU will handle business. Bouchelle will probably have an efficient day, uh, three, four touchdowns and get out of there. Um, you know, just pretty much, keeping the team healthy and, and just go out and fine tuning everything. So I expect the SMU game to be, you know, not close at all. Um, I think they'll roll in that one. Um, but yeah, like, like you said, the BYU Navy game is intriguing. Uh, really two teams, uh, not necessarily power five, but two teams from the FBS, um, you know, two 
I want to say historically good programs, but two really good programs uh, in general. BYU is always, um, you know, producing NFL talent. Uh, Navy always has their intriguing uh, triple option attack that team struggled to defend. So it will be kind of a matchup between, you know, can BYU's defense stop the option, you know, and, uh, you know, once they have the ball on offense, BYU, uh, can they put up points? Um, because Navy, Navy's option game is going to keep the ball away from them. Um, and, you know, everyone's kind of excited to see Zach Wilson, quarterback from BYU, um, and see what he does in this, uh, this next season. Dante Kalinali's guy from Blue Chip Scouting. Uh, we know he's going to be tuning in on Monday. Um, but I think that's probably the marquee matchup of all the matchups this weekend. And, um, really for me, the, the, the players I'm keeping an eye on, um, you know, Austin Watkins from UAB, Shane Bouchelle, of course, to see, you know, is he starting to make that next progression? Is he, you know, going through his reads, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and just seeing how he plays overall. Uh, and then of course, uh, Zach Wilson, um, from BYU. I think those are kind of the three players that I'm really keeping an eye out for, uh, this weekend, just in terms of, you know, their potential to be drafted, you know, not necessarily big name guys, but, uh, guys that can improve their draft stock, you know, having a good first game and then a, a really good season. Yeah. And, you know, like while you were talking and I, I was just thinking about, you know, after Monday, like Tuesday, we get, we're going to be able to break down some of these college football games, which makes me really excited. And also we're going to be able to break down some of the NFL action that's going to be coming up. We got week one next week for the NFL. And also we got week one for a lot of college football teams next weekend as well. So that makes me really, really excited just to know that next week, we're going to be having all these college football matchups to talk about, um, all these draft prospects to talk about. Um, and also this weekend, of course, we're getting our fir- first real true taste of college football games, like a college football weekend. So um, very excited to see this. Um, I'll, I'll throw out some game picks for a um, couple, couple teams um, without any explanation if you want to bash me on Twitter for it. That's fine. Um, such, um, I think UAB is going to beat Central Arkansas, like you said. Um, they're coming off a big win last week um, to start the year, but um, they're going to be sore, and UAB is really starting to rise as a program, so I'm going to have UAB winning that one. Um, I'm going to have Marshall being uh, Eastern Kentucky. Got SMU, of course, um, easily handing, tech, um, handing Texas State uh, the big L. Um I'm going to have Troy beating uh, Louisiana Monroe um, for Saturday evening. North Texas over Houston Baptist. Um, Memphis over Arkansas State. Big um, UTEP over Stephen F. Austin. And um, I'm going to go Navy against um, being BYU to start the year. Um, their option game, they're going to keep the ball away. Um, and then they're going to um, play aggressive, um, fast defense um, afterwards. And so... You know, BYU, of course, they lost one of their top targets, Matt Bushman, to Achilles there for the season. So um, that's a big loss for them, and that's probably going to affect them big time. Um, as Zach Wilson just basically lost his top target. So I think Navy will take advantage of that, and I think they're going to end up winning. Um, 
I think it'll be a close game, but I think Navy overall will, um, of course, dominate the time possession and play great defense um, and come away with a win on ESPN, um, 8 p.m. on Monday night. Um, and then Tuesday, Devin, we'll be breaking down some college football games. We'll be breaking down some draft prospects. You know, I'm excited for next week. Um, you know, fi- finally having a football weekend in 2020. Like, we were it, we were all skeptical. Well, honestly, I was probably a little bit more optimistic than most about having a football season overall. But I know people were skeptical um, about having football this year with the COVID-19 pandemic. But um, I, I think this thing could work. I think it, it really can. The NFL has been doing a great job with containing the virus and um, keeping the virus away from facilities. And so, um you know, I'm excited for next week. Uh, we got a lot of games to talk about next week, of course, um, and as well as um, the NFL kickoff game, Houston at Kansas City, the defending Super Bowl champs. So um, it's going to be really fun next week to watch. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll see you guys Tuesday or Wednesday. Peace out. Keep pounding.